Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the Baptism of Our Lord for the week of January 10th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I first have to make a confession. This last week, there's been a couple things that have kind of gone on in my personal life that were unexpected, and with that, as you probably are noticing, I did not meet the very first week here after coming out of the gate on when I was looking at getting this podcast out. I apologize for that. These were unforeseen things that came up, but I kind of had to address them. So this podcast is getting out a little bit later. I'm going to try working on getting right back to where we were wanting to be for next week, but... I'm excited to bring you this podcast still the same. I'm excited that we are in 2021. I'm excited that we are at the baptism of our Lord, which means for me, we are now back at what I first started on, one of the first sections and the first readings that I did. And it kind of leads a little bit into the Twitter question that we had for last week as I was thinking about this. How are you going to challenge your faith to grow in understanding this year? Part of that for me is looking back at what I have done with this podcast now as going through the whole cycle and just continuing to look to be able to answer that question. And I think it's something that we kind of even got back from our responses this last week is faith should be something that we are constantly challenging, something that we are constantly trying to improve upon, constantly being able to ask the tough questions of ourselves or have the tough questions asked to us and forcing us to try to be able to provide better answers. And that's the hard thing with it, is being able to provide these difficult responses to difficult questions. And it's a lot like science, like we've talked about. Any good experiment leads to multiple other good questions to be able to be asked. And that's part of this faith growth. That's part of this life of trying to be able to better understand as we are continuing to challenge ourselves and to move forward. And especially as we are entering into this year of Mark, Mark being the oldest gospel, but Mark also being the gospel that you can sit down and read in one setting fairly easily, but also that he doesn't give a lot of details which leaves a lot for open and for interpretation, but it also leaves a lot of, well, why wasn't more details given? And then the questions of the details that are given, why are those details given? And giving us multiple different avenues to really be able to dig in, and that's one of the things that's really beautiful about this gospel. And I think it really helps to challenge us and to consistently force us to think deep on a lot of these texts. So if we're going to have an introduction like that for this week, let's just jump right into it. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And it jumps right in, but I'm going to make a recommendation this week that I do not typically make. And it's something that I picked up from Working Preacher, and I have to be able to say I agree with this sentiment. If you are reading 4 through 11, why not start at verse 1 for chapter 1? It's First, just announcing what the gospel is going to be about, and then it is recognizing that this was written in Isaiah on what we are looking for with the prophet, and then we jump into, okay, here's what we have going on, this is what it looks like, and this is then getting into the baptism of our Lord. But first, we have to set up then who John the baptizer is, and doing some recognition of the clothes that he's wearing makes him look like a prophet, especially 
especially from the time of Isaiah, that he's been baptizing people in the Jordan who are confessing their sins and that this is what he is doing. And he recognizing that he is not the Messiah, there is someone who is coming more powerful than him. Then we get into verse 9. Jesus comes to be baptized by John. And when he ascends out of the water, the spirit descends like a dove and you hear a voice coming from heaven and the heavens are torn apart. And we hear this thing coming from heaven being, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Which I think is also really important because again, especially in Mark's gospel here, Jesus hasn't done anything. This is the first appearance of Jesus in verse 9. And by verse 11, God is already saying he's pleased with his son. He has done nothing to deserve this, which is part of where the Lutheran viewpoint on many things, on where Luther stating that infant baptism partially comes from this idea right here. So a lot to get into, a lot to dig into, but let's jump into the first reading. And the first reading this week is out of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. See, keep with that theme. That's why you got to start with that with the gospel reading. This is literally just the beginning of the creation story. You have God in the beginning, that there is this formless void in creating light and darkness. And there was light and night on the first day. I think in a, from a scientific perspective, just quickly as a side note, one of the things that you could easily say if you're going to try taking this and say, how can you have light and night before you have stars? And to me, this could potentially be evidence of the Big Bang Theory. Be it, you would have this initial light with the bang and that you are setting things into motion. So thus you would have had light and night as the earth now starts to spin. The psalm this week is Psalm 29, which is all 11 verses of it. And it's recognizing in this the strength that God provides in a lot of ways in us, but also in what God then is controlling. And I love these images that are in here, breaking the cedars of Lebanon, which is still the flag of Lebanon has the cedars. It's not as exceptionally strong tree, but it's, it's a good hardy tree. We've talked about this before. Making Lebanon skip like a calf, which again, we have video evidence of seeing that. It's like when you're releasing cattle out into grass again to start the year. But one of the things that I really like the image of is the voice of the Lord causes oaks to whirl. Oaks, especially in the north woods here, are considered a very strong and hardy wood. And wherever the whirls are is where the most energy is. It's the hardest and most desired part of the wood if you're burning it for heat. So this idea of what all God is doing, he's able to steer, he's able to create all these things. We get to see a little bit of the creation side of God in this psalm but recognizing the power of what God is in our creation, especially also within his people to be able to bless them. The second reading this week is out of Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. This, I think, is a really important passage, and it's going to kind of steer a little bit how I'm interpreting these other ones, and you'll see why. But here you have a Paul passes through Ephesus and he's finding disciples. And while there, he finds people who are baptized 
by John, which is a baptism of repentance. And then he calls upon them to stir up in them that they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. And he lays hands on them. And this is where the Holy Spirit then comes to these 12 other disciples, new disciples, if you want to put it that way, baptism of John, but now the baptism of the Holy Spirit being upon them, part of what the baptism of now is. So this beautiful image of talking about that, and there's a lot to dig into. But before we get into how faith and science come together, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Braidways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, having seminary professors being able to discuss these readings, People who are actively working on studying these texts, know these texts, know a lot, plus having commentaries there, having all these biblical scholars all in one place is a free resource. I'd highly recommend checking out Working Preachers since I'm not an ordained minister. I use them on a weekly basis to be able to bring you this podcast. And so if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Let's look a little bit here on what is Paul getting at here in the Acts reading. Because this is what, to me, I think is the kind of the flipping point. When they were baptized into John's baptism, it's a baptism of repentance and telling them to believe in the one to come after Jesus. But at that point, they had recognized, and John was even recognizing at this point, that he hadn't had the gift of the Holy Spirit being able to be cast down, if you want to put it that way, or put into these people. But I find it very interesting here is Acts, especially coming after Jesus is gone, especially by this point in Acts, they hadn't been keeping up with Jesus then. They hadn't been keeping up with this draw that Jesus had. They hadn't been keeping up with even, you can argue, John, because even John toward the end was kind of trying to steer his disciples this way. So you have the early Jewish faith at this moment. You have the Jews, the Jesus Jews, and the John Jews. And John tried steering his Jews to Jesus, but obviously not all of them got the message as we are seeing here in Acts. And the thing to me that I think is so interesting and so powerful in these texts is you look at like what happens when Jesus in the gospel here in Mark, when he's baptized, when he's baptized, we get all these things happening. When God creates day, bam, suddenly we have night and day. Things are happening. And when we're looking at the power of what God is able to do, boom, look, here is what God is doing. It reminds me of a couple different examples within science that we can talk about a little bit further. And I'm going to have to plug here SciShow. If you haven't checked out SciShow on YouTube, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great place to be able to pick up a lot of quick science knowledge, know-how. Plus, it's a great place to be able to research different ideas and different topics because there's a lot of different things that they've put out. One of these that I found really interesting this last week that they put out talking about frogs with transparent skin. And the question has been, why would you have a frog with transparent skin where we're able to literally see into this body and you start seeing organs, you can see the heart, you can see the lungs, you can see bone structure. And what's the point of that? And the point of that for this 
frog has been edge diffusion. And what that is, is essentially because it's transparent when looking down from above for potential prey, it has a hard time being able to tell where the edge of that frog is compared to the leaf that it might be sitting on. And what that allows it to do is to better blend in and make it harder for a potential prey to be able to eat this frog, right? This is an unknown ability that this frog has. And when we look at it from afar, it doesn't make much sense that why would you have this transparent frog? But then we're starting to look at it and understand that, yeah, this is a great defense mechanism and it ends up really helping it preserve its own life. Let's give you another example, one that you may have had experience with in high school, and that's fruit flies. Fruit flies are great in the lab for a lot of reasons. One, they are super cheap to acquire. They're really easy to maintain and easy to work with in the lab, really easy to feed And they have a short lifespan, which the beautiful thing with having a short lifespan is that you're able to do lots of different tests and it's not going to be this huge investment. And so fruit flies have been used in inheritance a lot, being able to see different generations and different things of that nature. We've been starting to be used in cancer studies, sleep studies. It's really, really interesting. Fruit flies have four pairs of chromosomes, which makes it much easier to modify and much easier to find what is actually going on and being able to manipulate and see what the reaction is. But the neat thing is, is really how close fruit flies are to the human genome. They have equivalent genes to 60% of our genome so that they have a gene that's equivalent. They have an equivalent gene that accounts for 65 to 75% of the human gene that is linked to Alzheimer's, diabetes, and many of the cancers, where a lot of the issues are coming from that flaw our body, they have a gene that's equivalent. So then again, it makes it much easier for tests, much easier for this type of thing. And fruit flies have been used throughout history for this. Initially, Thomas Hunt Morgan, turn of the last century, really was one of the first people to really do studies on this and was looking at eye color and noticed inheritance and was able to start showing that and won a Nobel Prize for that. Herman Mueller did it with x-rays and realizing that x-rays and other ionizing radiation can cause genetic mutations, hence why we wear like lead vests when you're in at the dentist and getting an x-ray or any type of x-ray done. And again, he won a Nobel Prize for that. And so these ideas are so fundamental that in a lot of ways to being able to help us seeing that because of how short their lifespan is and being able to see multiple generations and being able to look at their genome so quickly and easily with only having four pairs of chromosome makes it a heck of a lot easier to be able to do this. Now, due to, again, having such small amount of chromosomes, we've been able to really figure out on these chromosomes like exactly where different things are coming from. So based, again, off that information, being able to figure that out, we've been able to kind of figure it out within even our own, on our own chromosomes, where are different things located. 
So, for instance, we were able to find where embryo development happens and figuring out the signal pathway, which is communication between cells is a signal pathway, and being able to understand how the cells are communicating. And with developing this further, we were able to find the notch pathway, which was initially where they were looking for the notch in the wing, but we realized that this was cell differentiation, which is when cells start understanding what type of cell they're going to become and differentiating the different parts from a skin cell to a lung cell to a muscle cell to a bone cell, these different types of cells. And this was huge because when we were able to find this notch and understand this notch pathway and understanding that this is where differentiation is coming from, we were able to understand that this is then where neurons and blood cells and the heart and bones and skin cells are coming from, but also it's controlling cell manipulation, cell survival, and equilibrium, which then if we are finding that there are mutations or abnormal signals, this can cause many different cancers or developmental disorders because of this. And now because that this is the type of thing that we have found that fruit flies are able to do, it has led us into looking into sleep studies. It has led us into looking into cancer studies, which has grown exponentially during the 2010s using fruit flies to study cancers. But it's also being used in wound healing, bioengineering tech, pharmaceutical effects, what are new drugs doing to the body, how does the brain work, and how is cancer working as a whole? Again, this all this information I picked up from SciShows talking about fruit flies, so I'd recommend checking out that channel. But what does this all have to do with our gospel text? What does this all have to do with the baptism of our Lord? And to me, it's really obvious, especially when we're looking at the Acts reading, to be able to look at a gospel reading. When I am looking at these disciples of John, what they do not recognize because they didn't spend time around Jesus is that we have this gift inside of us. It's just that we have to be able to turn it on. Baptism is the acknowledgement that we have that gift. It is, yes, the Holy Spirit is coming to us. It's the question then, are we going to listen to it? Are we actually going to turn it on and recognize it and use the gift? When Jesus is baptized by John, then boom, all this stuff happens. This stuff is activated. The giving of this, the recognition that there is something greater than myself, and boom, we get this, and boom, you get the, you are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased, coming from heaven. And he hasn't done anything yet, but it's the recognition that Jesus did do something. Jesus did go to be baptized, allowing this to be turned on. You see, there's a lot of things in our life that we may not recognize what they can do. We are just now starting to understand what fruit flies can do to better help us understand ourselves. Fruit flies, like I mentioned, initially were started to use for inheritance in the turn of the last century. And I did mention recently that it was the 2010s when we saw a huge uptick in using fruit flies for cancer research. That's a 110-year gap here. 
that it took for us to understand the gift that fruit flies could potentially be for us to better understand ourselves, not just in cancer research, but on all these other things, because they are similar. We have looked at these weird frogs that we can see through for how many years just to now being able to do the test to recognize that, yes, because they're transparent, it's harder for them to be seen. It's actually camouflage, even though it appears weird, but their predators are coming from above. That's why. You see, the followers of John didn't recognize in that baptism of forgiveness that they had the possibility of turning something on deeper because it hadn't been gifted yet, but they also hadn't recognized it yet. Paul, when he finds them and talks to them and lays hands on them, is turning that on, is turning on that recognition of you can be more than this. And we're in that process of turning that on. You also recognize the power of what God can do in our own lives. There's a lot of times that I feel like we miss the opportunity to be able to see the gift of what God can do for us or what God can turn on. We overlook different skills and abilities. And these can be things that the Holy Spirit is giving to us or saying, let me use this, but you need to recognize this. You need to be able to recognize the gifts that you have so that God then can say, yes, and I put that there for a reason and now let me use them. It's like a carpenter. A carpenter can have all these tools, but if they don't know what the tools do, they don't do them any good. If a craftsman has a planer but doesn't know how to use a planer, it's no good to them. Or if the craftsman is building all these things and doesn't realize that he has a planer, he might avoid different jobs that would require a planer. And see, that's where Part of what the Holy Spirit is there to do is to help us recognize these gifts, but we have to acknowledge the Holy Spirit within us to be able to use these gifts. Fruit flies have been around since the beginning of time, and it's been now the last 200 years we've been recognizing that we could use them to better understand ourselves. Think about that. It took us 1,900 years to suddenly recognize that fruit flies can be used to understand inheritance. And now it's taken over 2,000 years for us to recognize and understand that fruit flies can be used to help us better understand cells multiplying out of control, a.k.a. cancer. It's crazy. It's crazy because sometimes these things are right in front of us, but we aren't recognizing it. And it's so similar in our own faith. So the Twitter question for you this week, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to turn on the gifts inside of you? And if so, what are they? And the thing is, is as we progress through life, we will find that there are more and more gifts. And there might be gifts that are temporary gifts. And then there's lifelong gifts. Michael Jordan was an amazing basketball player, and it's not like that gift has fully been pulled away from him, but he is not the player that he was in the 1990s. Now, we have to recognize the different gifts that are in front of us at each moment to the best of our ability and utilize them. That's the beauty of this, and part of this is because we don't know when that last day is. We don't know when we're going home. And isn't that part of what baptism is? Part of baptism is recognizing the Holy Spirit within us 
Yes, it's the dedication of us as a child of God, but recognizing that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and trying to teach that person that so that they can utilize that because we don't know when the last day is for them or for you or the last day ever. We don't know. And so we need to have the Holy Spirit working within us to recognize these, to use these gifts so that God can get the glory while we're doing it to the best of our ability. It's such an important thing. And when we look at these texts, and yes, we can talk about, and I've talked about plenty of times before, the beautiful thing with utilizing the symbol of water is you the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you got the three phases of water we can easily see. Liquid water, solid water as snow and ice, and vapor as steam. And we use those and see those all at the same time and can understand God in three phases if you put it in that way. But I think we have to spend a little time here with the Holy Spirit and really acknowledge that because we don't spend enough time talking about this. And the Holy Spirit is our communication today. It's our connection. It's what is trying to stir within us to recognize the gifts that we have, to be able to better utilize them. It's beautiful. And that's why we have to be able to see that the Holy Spirit is stirring and working within us and stirring and trying to move and teach us the gifts that we have. So we're not sitting on the sidelines like in Acts here with the disciples of John just saying that we're believers but we don't know what that means. That we are believers that can be activated and used with God's purpose in mind. Brothers and sisters, that is what we're striving for week after week and that's why we go into this podcast week after week trying to look and see how God is still working out in our world every single day in the science field and being able to take it into our faith that's why we do this that's why you sit here and listen and that's why I come back to this mic every single week to be able to bring you that type of thing because it's a gift it's a gift that God has activated in me through the Holy Spirit It's a gift that we can all utilize all the time, recognizing the Holy Spirit working within us and the different gifts that he gives us. And that is the power of what the Holy Spirit is all about. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.